putting his disciples in a boat. They have to go through a storm. They didn't like the storm. They were scared. They were afraid. And so he puts them in and he says, you're going across to the other side. And probably knew that the storm was going to come. Knew that there was going to be that test of faith or fear. And sticks them in that boat. And sometimes for us, just because life isn't going the way we want it to go, just because it's not always happy and sunshiny and warm, doesn't make it bad or out of his will. There are many false teachings out there being preached in many churches that say Christians are never supposed to experience trials and hardships. Jesus himself sent his disciples into a boat to cross the other side, knowing there was a storm that would challenge their faith and cause extreme discomfort. Thankfully, Jesus had his eye on them the whole time as they were going through this trial. When we live in obedience to God's word, no matter what the trial or hardship, Jesus is right there covering us. He works out all things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 27 with today's edition of Come Alive. So David goes to his heart. But Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us something about the heart. It says it's wicked and deceitful above all things who can know it. So why would you listen to a wicked, deceitful thing? But we do. I know in my heart of hearts, I've heard that. I know in my heart of hearts I'm supposed to, and it's like, really? Have you looked at how many times you've listened to your heart of hearts and it's fooled you? It's tricked you? Well, Jesus lives in my heart. Well, go to Jesus. Don't go to your heart. Go to, go to the guy who, who is dwelling in your heart. Don't go to your heart. Don't listen to yourself when facing an enemy. If you're filled with fear, then you're going to hear from your heart fear. If you're scared, you're going to hear scared. You're not going to hear faith. If David would just examine the motives of his heart, he would see that he's forgetting the grace of God. He would see that, you know what, I hadn't consulted God. It's been a long time, David, since we've heard you even discuss God. Talk to God. He does a lot of right things, but we don't see him going to God. When we go face-to-face with a trial, it's easy to forget the grace and goodness of God. It's real easy to forget God's grace and goodness when we're in a trial, when those things are right in our face and it's tough to handle. And because David reasoned in his heart, he gets it all mixed up. He came to wrong conclusions. And and that's what happened to us. But we come to wrong conclusions. I've been there. I've done that. I've come to the wrong conclusion, made bad decisions based off of, this is what I think I should do. I just had a friend, another pastor, and, and he was telling me, he's like, man, I've, I've, I've depended too much on what I know and not enough on who I know. And he was like, and now I'm in this mess. And I was like, man, I know. I've been there. And I've watched you get into the mess. And so... We sometimes wind up living in enemy territory, like David. He winds up living in enemy territory because he talked to himself instead of talking to God. Look at verse 2. 
It says, Then David arose, and he went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. And so David dwelt with Achish at Gath, and he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreelitis, and Abigail the Carmelitis, Nabal's widow. So here it seems the, at first that it pays off to listen to himself. Everything's great. And sometimes it always seems that way. You start to listen to yourself and you have this solution. You're like, yeah, this is the way to go. I'm going to do it this way. Ah, feels good to do it. I know I'll, I'll pay it back on the back. Yeah, there's a little more interest than I wanted. But you know what? I'll go ahead and do it this way because you know what? Right now it's more cost effective. And then when it comes time for that, for that interest payment to show up, that 0% for 90 years, and at the end of the 90 years, you find out that, well, wait a minute, they're charging me all this back interest, and it's way more than that thing cost me in the beginning. That wasn't such a good idea. And so he thinks that it's a good idea. It looks like it's a good idea to listen to himself. Saul no longer is looking for David. Hey, I've got some peace. i got some quiet. Satan does this. He, he, he withdraws for a moment that he might, well, seem like he's at peace with you. Just so you can get comfortable and you can rest and you let your guard down. And then when your guard's down, what happens? Well, guess what? He comes and he punches you right in the face. That peace is only a stupor that des- descends upon the soul for a moment. It feels good for a little while. But then you wake up in the middle of the night and you start to wonder, well, what if I didn't do this? Oh, what if things were the way God wanted them to be? What if I did live in God's perfect will and not just by permission or allowing him to allow what's taking place? But to get to that peace, he had to live in enemy territory. Sometimes for you and I to have that peace, we have to live in enemy territory. Do the things of the enemy. Walk amongst them. Of course Satan's going to leave you alone if you're no longer a threat. When you're no longer a threat, why bother with you? I've taken your legs out from underneath you. You can't chase me. You can't come after me. So it's been a while since David talked to God. And sometimes we tend to get depressed. We tend to say, I'm afraid that the Lord has undertaken something more than he can accomplish. I'm afraid that, you know what, God can't handle my situation and he's just leaving me out here. And why are you standing so far off from me, God? And where are you at in this dark moment? I can't seem to find you. And depression is one of those natural things that tends to happen. But it doesn't have to rule us. You are allowed to get bummed out, upset, depressed. Call it whatever you want to call it. But when it starts to rule and take over your life, it's because, you know what? Something dark has gotten in there. You've gotten so used to living in those dark times. You've gotten so used to just putting Band-Aids on gaping wounds. And eventually, you'll bleed out and you'll die. It'll be no good. See, there's nothing wrong with getting depressed, but don't listen to yourself in that state. That's where a lot of people stay depressed is because they begin to listen to themselves. They listen to their heart. Instead, go to God. Take it to God. Take it to somebody that knows God. Take it to somebody that you trust that knows God. Take it to his word. Find out what it says. Because you might be like, well, this is kind of a depressing moment in his life anyway. Sure it is. It wouldn't be so depressing if he'd just gone to God. Hey, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? But yet we get tired and we let our guards down. So there's nothing wrong with getting depressed. He was tired of waiting. Look at verse 5. 
And then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. See, Achish, he's kind of a smart guy. He's like, I know who David is. David killed our best warrior. His name was Goliath. And he came to me, and he went crazy. But now he's back, and he seems to be at war with Saul. And so I got 600 extra men that I could use as a great mercenary force. And so I could send these guys out to do battle. And Achish gives Ziklag for him a place to live. Now, this city belonged by right to Judah. It was allocated to them when Joshua had entered the promised land. And it was captured by the Philistines later, but it was never, ever occupied by the Philistines. It was captured by them. It was under their thumb, so to speak, but it was never occupied by the Philistines. So at this time, Ziklag, according to 1 Chronicles 4.30, was occupied by the descendants of Simeon some of the Jewish people that came across with Joshua. These people were living in a territory that was given to them by God. It was a gift to them by God, but it was controlled by the enemy and living in subjection to the enemy. And I think a lot of times we as Christians do that. We have this peace at any price mentality. It's not a good motto. It's not a good mentality to have peace at any price. Because think about it. God forbid as I get older that I should settle like that to live some area in my life which God has possessed my life yet allowing Satan to overcome it. God is saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm in possession. This is yours. But allowing Satan to be in possession over it, to overcome it. I have to have a desire to drive him out of that area. A lot of times we battle with those sins in our lives and we have those tough ones and we put everything towards those tough ones, but yet we tend to pull all the forces from that weak area that, yeah, we haven't struggled with that in years. I've beat it, I defeated it, and all of a sudden Satan's like, you know, I'm looking for the weak spot on you. And he comes right in there and he gets in. And so you might say, well, I'm saved anyway. Well, yeah, you are. No matter what, you're saved. But, I mean, does it really matter if the devil recaptures part of my life? Well, sure it does. It matters. It's dangerous. You give the advantage to the enemy, and you look at the deceit and the lies that have become a, have become a part of David's life, and you think, wow, this is no way to live. He's living in enemy territory. He's kind of got to walk on eggshells. Though he's still part of God, God's part of him. He's a man after God's own hearts, what the Bible tells us. He's a man of God, but yet he hasn't visited with God. He hasn't hung out with God. I mean, it's been a long time since he spent some time with God. And so that's how compromise sets in. Is when we just allow a little room for the enemy to take over. and Like, oh, that's okay. That's an okay area. It may not be an okay area. Because it may root and grow. Well, I'm not watering it. I'm not feeding it. Man, have you ever looked at the weeds out here in the front? I don't water the parking lot, but they grow. They don't need a lot. They don't need a lot. Look at verse 7. Now the time that David had dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So a full year and four months. David must have thought, man, Saul isn't chasing me anymore. I have a good place to live. I got food in my belly. I'm out doing a good job of robbing and pillaging. 
Uh, my men are fed. Life is good. And, and many of us get this way. They, we get tired of struggling with people of God that just kind of hang with the world. And so we're just like, oh, you know what? We'll go ahead. If we can't beat them, we're going to go ahead and join them. And we start to join them. It seems great because all seems to go your way at that point. Now you got more friends. Everything's happy. And we're talking. But you know what? It's easier. It really is easier initially. Initially. But for some reason, what takes place is it's harder to get away from it. Because you start to get caught up. It becomes disastrous ultimately. And we see that with David. Look at verse 8. And David and his men went up and he raided the Gezerites and the Gezerites and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old. As you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive. But took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the apparel. And he returned and came to Achish. These people, the Amalekites and all these people were groups living in the southern region of Judah. They were living in the southern region of Judah, in the northern region of the Philistine country. And David and his men would launch these guerrilla attacks on these people. And these people were to have been rooted out a long time ago by the Jews when they first took possession of the land. But yet, here's another place where we see it happening. And again, moving forward into today's times, we see the problem. They didn't root these people out when they were supposed to. And so David goes in there and he raids with them. And if they had just been moved out of there... Well, then today you wouldn't have had some of these problems that are taking place here in, in, in the Middle East that we have today. Iran and Iraq would be part of Israel. But yet they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They compromised. They began to feel sorry. They reasoned in their own hearts that, well, you know, we could probably use these people as slaves. We could probably work with these people. We could probably, you know, kind of team up and they can show us the land. And, oh, look, for some reason we're idol worshiping again and now we're taken captive. And so we'll repent, and we'll cry, and we'll have this whole thing, and then in a few generations, we'll do it again. Because somebody forgot to take a stand. See, in his heart, David is raiding these these people that are in this land, and he's still with the people of God, even though he was in an embarrassing situation. He would attack those who were enemies of his own people, and no one was left alive. So David was out there, and he would go and he would kill men, women, and children. He would take the donkeys and all their livestock and bring it back. And he would say, hey, you know what? Here you go, Achish. Here's your portion, but here's our portion. This is going to feed me and my 600 men. Here's, Here's what this says to me is that just because somebody is active... Just because a Christian is spiritually active, doing those things and and working in a church or serving in a church doesn't necessarily mean that, well, that they're spiritual, that they're walking with the Lord. Activity doesn't, doesn't make you spiritual. And we tend to do the same thing as David does. He's very active. He's trying to trick Achish. He has the lie to Achish. And we see him lying now. And, and a lot of us are like, well, isn't lying wrong? Sure, it's wrong. Whether you're lying to your enemy or your best friend, it's wrong. A lie is a lie. And so in order to make Achish think he was attacking Israel, David had to kill everybody. He had to wipe everyone out so there wasn't a witness. And though he, he won every battle, it doesn't mean God approved. Just because he won doesn't mean that God approved. It was permitted. 
It wasn't perfect. Just because you find success does not always mean that God approves. He may permit it, but is it his perfect will? That's the question we've always got to go back and ask ourselves. Is it his perfect will? His perfect will doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy. And you might think, well, how do you know? Well, what about Jesus putting his disciples in a boat? They have to go through a storm. They didn't like the storm. They were scared. They were afraid. And so he puts them in and says, you're going across to the other side. And probably knew that the storm was going to come. Knew that there was going to be that test of faith or fear. And sticks them in that boat. And sometimes for us, just because life isn't going the way we want it to go, just because it's not always happy and sunshiny and warm, doesn't make it bad or out of his will. It may be in his perfect will for you to go through that trial. Look at verse 10. It says, And Achish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Jeremelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. Here again, David falsely implies he's been raiding Israel by saying he was in Judah. Look at verse 11. And David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, Unless they should inform on us, saying, Thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him, abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. See, Achish was totally stoked. He was like, man, this is awesome. Thinking David's killing his countrymen. Man, he's never going to be able to go back. And we're going to go ahead and wipe out those stinking Israelites. And we're going to have the country. He thought David would be loyal to him. Achish didn't know David's propensity to lie. He, he lies. Remember, he had Jonathan lie for him at Saul's table. This is a problem David had. He, he, he had Jonathan lie for him at Saul's table. Tell him I'm with my family. And, and then again, David lies to Ahimelech to cover his sin with Bathsheba. Go ahead and send this guy out into the front. And the result of that was a murder. So how could a man after God's own heart lie? Well, the same way we intend to like be all bummed out at David. Don't get bummed out at David. This is the part where we got to look at us. How do I say, Lord, I'm all yours, but yet we lie? Oh, Mark, I don't lie. Oh, that's right. You go, therefore, and make disciples all the time. You do the Matthew 28, 19 through 20 thing always, right? No. Well, we don't always do that. We don't always listen. We don't always obey. It's obedience. So David's lies, you know, again, cause us to look at our own lives. David's life causes us to take a look at us. Well, I don't lie. Well, when you came to the Lord, maybe at some point in time in your life, you said, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And do you do it all the time? Because when you say that once to him, that means every time he asks you to do something, you're going to do it. He'll take you at your word. But he knows. He knows your heart. He knows it's wicked and deceitful. See, God sees the heart. This doesn't justify the lies. This doesn't justify David's lies. It's going to get David into all sorts of bad situations. The consequences are still going to be there. They're still going to, we're going to have to deal with those things. David still has the answer to God for every word that comes out of his mouth, like you and I will. Eventually, David will hate the lies. Psalm 120 and verse 2, he says, Remove from me the way of lying lips. Again, God may permit something, doesn't mean he always prefers it. Doesn't mean it's always perfect. See, we have been given choices. Choices are choosing the permissible life 
or the perfect life? Uh, Do we choose just to do what's permitted? Do we try to get away with it? You see, Adam and Eve had done this way back in Genesis. God says, don't eat from the tree. Uh, Don't eat the fruit from this tree. And they go ahead and they do it. They do the wrong thing. They hear God. They see God. They hang out with God, yet they choose to do something. And God permits it. He allowed it. I mean, how does an all-knowing God not know? I mean, when, when do you take and, and shock God when he's like, oh, man, I can't believe Mark did that again today. I mean, how many times is he going to stick a fork into a toaster? I mean, seriously. He, he may permit it. It doesn't mean it's perfect. His perfect life for me might be like, hey, why don't you turn that toaster around and read what happens when you do I mean, I experienced it. After eight times, I've learned not to do it anymore. And just the other day, my natural reaction when the toast got stuck in the toast, it was a Pop-Tart for Elia. My natural reaction was grab a knife. I stuck No. Put it down. And I had Elia do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. But that would have been pretty cool. Anyway. But, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things. And it's just like, speaking of Elliot, that same day, not 10 minutes later, I told her, you know what? You don't walk down those stairs without me. And she decided she wanted to try to be big and talk on the phone to my mom and walk down some stairs. And I was in my office, and I heard this thunk, 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 thunk. And I look, and I see my daughter doing backflips down the steps. I permitted her to go outside perfect was I told her to sit and talk on the phone, turned my back for a minute, she got up and she rolled down the stairs. Praise God she didn't break her neck because those were steep steps. But she learned a lesson, not to talk on the phone and walk up the stairs. Now we'll see how long that sticks. But there's those things where God being our parent, our father, says, hey, I got to permit certain things. I'm going to give you freedom of choice. I don't want a robot. I want you to love me. And I'm going to permit these things. doesn't mean they're right. But it's up to you to decide. And it's up to me to decide, what is God's perfect will for my life? What would he rather me do in this situation, in the situation you're in? Today, tomorrow. Do we consult with him or are we like David? Do we just kind of, well, I know, I've read. Uh, You know, I've been to church. Are we consulting with God on a daily basis? Are we just coming to church and listening to Christian radio thinking that's good enough? Those are good things, but it's not good enough. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. 
We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive. Come Alive.